Welcome in everyone to episode 117 of the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian here with David and Matt. Uh, today we are bringing the NL Central uh, off-season breakdown uh, slash season preview. Uh, but before we get to that, David, how are you doing today? Oh my goodness. Been without hot water for a while and we're getting this episode out late because of me, so I apologize. But uh, now we've got hot water. Now we've got uh, everything working in the apartment, so I'm, I'm happy about that. Uh, hopefully this week goes a little better than today went because today was hectic. But uh, Matt, how are you doing? Doing all right. Uh, just uh, I've had a pretty good, uh, pretty good weekend here, and just uh, just been hanging out, uh, watching a little bit of World Baseball Classic, watching a little bit of spring training, and getting ready for the NCAA basketball tournament. It's gonna be a lot of fun, and I think I might get to go to a couple games. Uh, being here in Birmingham, so that's really cool. And uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, ready to talk about a little bit of NL Central baseball. So uh, how are you doing, Damian? I'm doing all right. Um, you know, just like you had a really chill weekend, just watching some WBC and some spring training and racing now that it's back. So, uh, fun weekend, but I'm excited to, to move along with our division, uh, division breakdowns here. So, uh, let's go ahead and start with the Pittsburgh pirates who finished in 62 and 100 at the bottom of this division last year. Uh, so David, who do you, uh, who do you like for 2023? Yeah. So I went with G man Choi, one of the guys they picked up from the Tampa Bay Rays. I could not believe G-Man Choi ended up with the Pirates. I felt like he was destined for a contender. Uh, this is a guy who puts together like a, a 14, 13% walk rate every year uh, who hits for good power, well above average uh, from that DH spot. And, you know, with the NL having the DH now, I just felt like he was the kind of well above average bat that could really help some, you know, contending team. Uh, but, you know, what, what's been his issue has been getting to power with Tampa Bay. 19 home runs is his highest. He's hit 11 each of the past couple of years. He's kind of more of a platoon guy, but I really like him hitting in Pittsburgh. They got the big fence. They got a bunch of space out there in right field. Uh, G-Man Choi is just a, one of my favorite like additions in the off season. When I was looking at, you know, first baseman for the Cubs, he was one of the guys that popped out immediately when he came available and Pittsburgh snatched, snatched him up almost instantly. Uh, so, you know, the, probably the best plate approach to come, uh, on the market this off season. And uh, he's played in Pittsburgh this year and he, he might not be playing there the whole year. They'll probably ship him out at the deadline and that'll be a good one to, to look out for, for, for some contender. But uh, yeah, G man Choi, very popular in Tampa Bay and uh, you know, good plate approach, a little bit of strikeout issues, but I, I trust that he'll, he'll get to that, that power in, in Pittsburgh and be pretty effective. So Matt, who do you like for uh, the Pittsburgh pirates? Yeah, uh, I had a really hard time finding a player I really liked from this team. But um, the guy that I, I went with is Jack Sawinski. Um, he He's an interesting player. He, he wasn't really a very high-rated prospect. Uh, and then last year, in his rookie year, played 106 games, actually did pretty well. Uh, he only hit 202, but had a really low batting average on balls in play, which hasn't really been a concern for him in his minor league career. Uh, but he had a, a really nice uh, walk rate, 11%. Uh, so he did have a you know, roughly 300 on base, which isn't great, but uh, there's the upside there with his ability to draw walks. And he hit for some power, 19 home runs in 106 games, which was 372 plate appearances, a 411 slugging percentage, which if, you know, if he could find a way to bring up his batting average on balls and play with his, uh, you know, a little bit, then, uh, you know, that, that number will improve too. Uh, exactly league average hitter at a 100 WRC plus. And he honestly played pretty good defense in the outfield, uh, put up a, a well above, uh, you know, a, a, an above average defensive season, put up almost two war in 106 games. 
he's just a guy that he, I don't think he's going to be some superstar, but he's been a little bit under the radar. He's definitely going to have to work on his strikeouts a little bit. He, he struck out about 31%, which is pretty pretty rough. But, you know, he's also a guy that, like, 31% is not something that you can't improve upon. It's not like, you know, some other players that we might talk about later that are more like 40%, you know. Um, I think uh, I think this is a guy who maybe could be a piece that is at least like a, a pretty good regular for this Pittsburgh Pirates team going forward. It's, it's, it's definitely got to get another look at. It's interesting for this year. Yeah, Jack Swinski is a really interesting name for the Pirates uh, moving forward. Uh, but the guy I went with was Mitch Keller. Uh, he is a guy who's had the prospect pedigree for the Pirates, had never really lived up to the expectations. Uh, started off last year really, really rough. Uh, got injured, made a, an IL stint, and then once he came back, he seemed to tweak his fastball a little bit and played with his slider some, uh, kind of splitting it off into two different uh, varieties, making more of a cutter and then of a hard slider in one. Uh, and then I think last year ended up with like eight quality starts to end the year, had a 309 ERA in the second half. Uh, and then coming into this year, he's helped reshape that fastball a little bit more, and then he's kind of made a sweeping curveball. Um, kind of eliminating the slider a little bit and kind of making it more of that sweeper that we've seen a team like the Dodgers have a lot of success with here with like Andrew Heaney and um, oh, I forgot the, who the guy was before that they had, but uh, he's shown a lot of success with it so far in spring training. So it's really interesting if he's able to build off that strong second half uh, for, uh, for him and, and go into 2023 strong, continuing that performance. Uh, but David, who's uh, who's the player you don't like, or here the situation that you don't like for the Pirates? Well, I, I figure I should have at least a player, <clears throat> and I I absolutely hated the Austin Hedges signing. I'm really glad that that wasn't the Cubs' move. Uh, Hedges is a black hole at the plate, but a pretty good defensive catcher. And it, this is a team, remember, that used to have a really good defensive check catcher in Jacob Stallings, and traded him to Miami, even though he had three years left. You know, and it's like you could have just kept Jacob Stallings around and let him develop those young pitchers, but instead you shipped him off as soon as he gained a little bit of value and had a decent season. So it's that's the kind of thing that I don't like about these teams that are rebuilding kind of constantly like this Pittsburgh team is, you know, Jacob Stallings probably could have been uh, the, the, the leader of this team and he's not. Similar to that, you've got this Brian Reynolds situation where Brian Reynolds should be your centerpiece of the future, you know, center field or left field. Either way, this is a guy who is a really, really quality hitter, high on base percentage, high batting average, good power, um, good versatility where he can play multiple outfield positions, good leadoff hitter. He's the type of guy you need to build around for a long time. And they are insistent on not paying Brian Reynolds. Um, And the difference is literally the the contract money and, and Reynolds is ask I don't know if you guys have it pulled up instantly but it's not it was not much it wasn't egregious and Pittsburgh still isn't willing to meet it so uh, that that situation is what really worries me because this team does not seem like they're actually interested in getting better and they're just getting you know interested in winning on the bottom line by not paying Jacob Stallings not paying Brian Reynolds not investing on their future yeah, I believe it was something like 125 million. If yeah, I'm mistaken. yeah, that's that's pennies in this in this free agent market for a guy who maybe could play center field, but at the very least is a switch hitting leadoff hitter, quality hitting outfielder. Just it it, blow, it blows my mind that they're not willing to do something that simple. So Matt, who you don't who do you not like for this Pirates team? Yeah, so the I'm. I've been the one that's been going with one player, and now all of a sudden I'm going with a, a group. But um, 
I'm, I'm going to say the, the lack of development from their farm system. This is a team that they've had a lot of high draft picks, and they've done a lot of things where they're like, you know, they've made a lot of trades for, for young guys and for prospects, and their prospects just aren't really developing that well. Like, they've drafted Henry Davis with the number one overall pick, and he seems like he's probably going to be a big leaguer and, a, and, a, and an okay big leaguer, but, like, they don't think he's going to stick at catcher, and he's got some concerns about his bat that he didn't really have coming out of college. Like, you've got guys like uh, – you got you got guys like Brian Hayes who's dealt with a lot of injuries. That he's not really a prospect, but he's a young guy who you know he he's kind of he doesn't really look like a bust bust, but his high upside hadn't really been reached. You have a former top ten pick in uh, Travis Swaggerty that is now like the number thirty one prospect in the system. Um, and it's just it's one of those things where like a guy like uh, Nick Gonzalez just completely fell off a cliff last year. It's just one of those things where it's like. They've got a lot of they've had a lot of these high draft picks and they've had a lot of guys that were interesting, but it seems like they're just kind of like the upside's just not really there as much with some of them. Like if you go on Fangraphs list, like you know they don't really have a super high upside guy except maybe Tamar Johnson. There's some guys who will be good, like Indy Rodriguez might be a good catcher. He could end up moving off a catcher too. Like, but it's just this farm system for a team that's had so many high level draft picks, like you would think it would look a lot more like the Orioles than it does. I mean, and, and I think that's been a problem for them. It's just been kind of development of, of their prospects. And that's been a problem for them for, for a long time too. I mean, you have guys like Tyler glass now and Austin Meadows didn't really do all that well in Pittsburgh. And immediately after they get traded to another organization, all of a sudden are like elite level players. So uh, I definitely am worried about that. It's something to watch this year. Yeah, uh, my, my player kind of goes along with that that theme here of um, being able to, I guess, lack of development there. But it's Cabrian Hayes. He's a guy who in 2020, he's been a high-rated prospect. Uh, in 2021, he was overall sixth ranked per fan graphs in MLB uh, farm system. It, it came up in 2020, showed a lot of promise in his 100 at-bats pretty much, 376 average, 442 on base, hit five homers there, 194 WRC+. Plus. Had about two wins above replacement in that that small sample size, uh, and then in 2021 came out hit six total homers and 400 at bats, you know 257 average, a 316 on base, only at 87 WRC plus, and then in 2022 in his 560 plate appearances, seven homers, you know 244 average, 314 on base, and an 88 WRC plus. He's just a guy who. You know, had a really good hit tool, was supposed to have more power in there. I mean, he has battled some injuries, and I even think some shoulder injuries, so maybe that's been a part of it. But, man, he's just never been able to develop being that hitter at the plate that was expected of him, you know, through his prospect status. And 2023 is going to be a vital year for him to kind of show that he can get that offense back in, uh, back into what the prospect status was. For what it's worth, I both agree with you and disagree with you uh, regarding Key Brian Hayes because he is 11th in war uh, among third basemen that were qualified hitters last year. He finished 11th, well, which that's... is pretty good. I mean, that's top top third, right? But it's also indicative of how good he is at defense. Yeah, and and that's and he's a very good base runner as well that tells me that all the tools are there for a guy like he Brian Hayes and he's not necessarily busting, but then where I agree with you is that we're also seeing these kind of struggling issues from O'Neill Cruz where all the talent in the world 
can he put it together? He doesn't seem like he is, right? Rolosny Contreras is the same way. Guy's a top 30 prospect in the starting pitching staff, but he's not quite able to get to that talent, even though he throws a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. Well, the problem with Hayes is is that he doesn't barrel the ball, like, at all. Like, he's, like, bottom 3% or something in the league and doesn't hit the ball hard at all. O'Neill Cruz, he just swings and misses a lot, but he makes hard contact. Like, Hayes needs to develop the ability to hit the ball hard again. Yeah, it feels and, – and if I, I'll chime in. It feels like both of these guys have a ruby red flag about them to a certain level. Like, because O'Neill Cruz, I mean, he struck out 35% of the time last year. That's almost like that's, – it's rare that you see somebody who strikes out that much improve to a acceptable level, even somebody who hits the ball as hard as him. But, but you know that, like, the talent is there with him, like – the thing about Brian Hayes is, with all the injuries he's had at the plate, it's worrisome that he's not hitting the ball a little bit harder. And you might think that maybe some of those the, the tools at the plate aren't there. Now, the thing about Brian Hayes, like you said, though, his defense and base running are so good, the floor is a lot higher for him. Like he's not going to be a horrible player. He's he's probably not going to be less than a regular. It's just a matter of like. Man, it's it's one of those things. It's like, man, if this guy could just hit at like a pretty good level, like he's like Matt Chapman a little bit. Like if he could just hit at a good level, he could be like an MVP caliber player. But obviously, he hadn't done that yet. So I think it's kind of somewhere in between. But it, it's definitely interesting, an interesting player to look for this year. I think this is kind of a make or break year when it comes to like where his upside actually is. Is kind of the thing for me. So. For what it's worth, on StatCast, Key Brian Hayes, 89th percentile max exit velocity, 85th percentile average exit velocity, 84th percentile hard hit, yeah, 13th hit. percent barrel. And yeah, that is definitely the key of what Damien yeah, said. He's, he's, he's got to hit ground. that ball. Yeah, he's got to hit yeah. that ball in the air a little more. So, uh, so David, what is your grade and outlook for the Pittsburgh Pirates in 2023? I actually like their offseason. Um I think Carlos Santana and G-Man Choi is a sneaky good little DH combo. You know, they're not going to hit for very much average, but those are a couple of really good plate approaches to put into your lineup. Um, you know, I I don't, you know, they didn't do a whole lot else, they brought, but they brought back Andrew McCutcheon, and I love that move so much that <laughs> it's it's difficult for me to, to give that a poor grade. Um, they didn't do enough to contend, but again, this isn't a team that's looking to contend, which is part of the problem. Um you know, this is obviously a, a team looking to rebuild, looking that is kind of cellar dwelling. But in order to get out of that, they have to be able to in, willing to invest in some of these you know, bigger players. So a successful season for the, the Pirates this year to me is get Brian Reynolds either extended or traded. Get get that going some certain direction, probably preferably extend him and keep him in there to to lead your future stars. And then get a good season out of Key Brian Hayes and O'Neill Cruz, right? Get those guys going in the right direction. Ship off G-Man Choi and Carlos Santana and, make, you know, have let Kutch, you know, stick around until he's retired as a leader or whatever. Um, and then try to develop this young pitching staff. I, I like that they brought on Rich Hill. I like they brought on Vince Velasquez. Those guys are good, right? This is a this was a good offseason for a team that needed – they did not get to contend. There's almost no way they contend. But ultimately, you know, like – You'd love to see them go out and sign a star or extend a, one of their you know, core players, but I like what they did. I just wish that they would get a handle on some of these. Well, I don't know where David went, but Matt, what do you, uh, what is your outlook and grade for the pirates? Yeah. So, um, 
my outlook is obviously they're in a rebuild, and I, I gave them a C for their off season. I thought that um, they. I didn't love their moves they made. I like McCutcheon coming back just for the fact that it's, you know, he's kind of returning to have his swan song back in Pittsburgh where, he, where it all started. I think that's pretty cool. Um, I mean, obviously, I like Rich Hill. I think he's a fun pitcher to have around, especially, you know, the kind of see how long he can keep doing it for. But um, the the thing, and, and I like the leadership qualities they brought in because, like David was talking about, you know, Carlos Santana is a good leader in the clubhouse that the pit, Rich Hill, McCutcheon, we already talked about. But um, I actually kind of like the Austin Hedges move just in the matter of they've got some young pitchers, and Austin Hedges is a guy that. He's a terrible hitter, but you're not really looking like – you're not going to sign somebody that's going to be a great offensive catcher and spend a lot of money. So you can bring someone in that can at least, like, handle your pitching staff really well. And I get the whole, you know, Jacob Stallings thing. But, I, you know, this is kind of a completely separate move from that. And I don't hate that just because, like, he's going to help lead their pitching staff that, that's really young. But, I mean, the thing that, that I have – a that I don't like is like these other teams that have been given good grades that are rebuilding. They went out, they signed a guy who has some upside, like real upside as a, or, or traded for a guy who has some like big time upside as a, a, you know, somebody like, like, like for example, the A's signed the, uh, the Japanese uh, pitcher that throws like, that throws really hard. Like he's got an upside to where it's possible he comes over. It's unlikely, but it's possible that he comes over and it's just like absolutely incredible for like the first half and then they could move him for like a real prospect of some kind. But like, I mean, a lot of these guys that the pit, that the pirates picked up are like DH types or platoon types. So you might get a, you know, a, a rookie ball relief prospect for, even if they do really well, like G man toy has a great first half. Like he's a lefty first base platoon guy who probably should really be DHing. Like you might get a, low minors relief prospect for him, even if he's really, really good. So I kind of wish they had gone out, got somebody who was a little bit higher, um, who had a little bit higher upside from a, you know, plays half the year and ends up being really good for half the year and goes to, you know, goes into, uh, you know, gets gets a real prospect back. Like like they didn't sign anybody who's got like the capability of being like a branded Drury last year for the, for the Reds. It's just kind of like there's nobody really there. So I gave him a C. Um, Hopefully, uh, you know, I hope to see McCutcheon do really well. That'll be pretty fun for him, kind of like how Albert Pujols was last year. Yeah, so I gave them a D, and that is for only one reason. Uh, they have the greatest pitcher slash nickname on their team, uh, and I'm not going to mention it, but if you guys know, you know. That's the only reason they're getting a D here. Their original grade would be a C. Um but they need to figure out the Brian Riddle situation. You need you if you're not going to pay him, trade him. Like I know David mentioned it, but as much as it's it's been around, I don't know how you even want to. You've been dealing with this for multiple years already, but then now he's formally requested a, a trade, and you're just basically going to tell him like, no, we're not going to do that, but we're just going to hold on to you anyways. Like you need to figure that situation out, and preferably probably at this time just cut your losses, trade the guy, get a haul back for him and move on and get some more of that young talent that you can potentially move forward with here. Uh, Cause if you keep Brian Reynolds and you don't pay him, then he's gone in what two years anyways. So then what good did that do you? You just yeah. set yourself back even more cause you didn't want to pay him. Yeah. I will say that I've, I was listening to some things this week and it did sound like there was still some form of confidence that they could end up giving him an extension and that some of the like back and forth was kind of just like a, 
weird communication. But I don't know if that's going to be true or not. But it's just kind of like there. I think there still is a chance he gets an extension. So I mean, there could be. But last time I read, they were offering him like sixty million, and he wanted one hundred and twenty-five million. Yeah, like they weren't even close. So that's insane. Uh, we'll we'll see, anyways. But uh, you know, as long as the outlook, I think you'll finish fourth in this division. I think they're a better team than the Reds. But we move on. Um, all right, so we'll just skip over the Cubs because we don't need a David to talk about that one. Well, we got to talk about the Reds. Yeah, you skipped the oh, Reds. Oh, we do. Dang. Yeah, we still got to talk about the you Reds. You skipped two teams there. Dang, man. You the, Reds two different not, fan bases. the Reds did Look, not finish last last listen, year, did they? Well, they were tied, actually. They're tied, okay. They're tied. But that's I was already thinking the Pirates are fourth because they should have been. Like, we're just – we don't even need to talk about them either, really. But anyways, David, who do you – I guess like on the Reds. I don't know if there's really anyone to like, but All right, so I like uh, last year's Rookie of the Year, Jonathan India. Two um, years, yeah, two years ago. Sorry, really, Be- but he's you know a leadoff hitting hitting type. Had a really good rookie season, and then was kind of limited by injury last year and didn't have quite as good of a season. But he came on late uh, to kind of rebound his numbers a little bit. I think with a full season, Jonathan India is the type of guy who could. Uh, you know, vault up some second base like rankings boards this year and be the type of guy who could uh, kind of anchor this Reds lineup. He had a hundred, a 120 WRC plus his first year. Uh, that power just kind of went away a little bit, sort of the stolen bases, which I think was in, in large part due to injury. Uh, so I think Jonathan India will be back with a vengeance next year. And I, <laughs> I like him a lot, but it, it, I do think a lot of the players in this lineup will perform a little bit better because great American ballpark is kind of starting to be the new Coors. That, that place is very offense friendly. So just pick an offensive player for Cincinnati and you'll, you'll get a good one. Yeah. You're a kid. Um, I, and I just, as you say that I pick a pitcher, <laughs> but uh, I went with Nick Lodolo. Uh, and the reasoning behind that is that this guy is a lefty who has a very, very, very good command and a very, very, very good slider. And, Last year in the big leagues, it was a great 103 innings in his rookie year. I don't think he got enough credit. Nobody's really talked about it, mainly because he plays for the Reds, who were really, really bad. But last year, he pitched 103 innings, uh, had 11 strike over 11 strikeouts per nine, and under three and a half walks per nine. Um, he had a 3.9 FIP and a 3.66 ERA. His expected FIP was a 3.49. So he had really, really good numbers for a rookie pitching in a really difficult ballpark. And one other thing I really like about him is even though with the Reds, your defense on the infield might not be fantastic, although Kevin Newman's a pretty good defensive shortstop who they just brought in, which is kind of nice to have, even though Kevin Newman's not very good. But uh, they do have a uh, – he has a high ground ball rates. And, you know, you want to keep the ball out of the air in that ballpark like David was talking about. So I think this guy is a really good fit for pitching in a tough ballpark. And uh, I really like him. I think he could end up being a breakout guy this year. Even though he doesn't throw super hard, he still throws in the, you know, low to mid-90s as a – you know, or really mid-90s as a uh, as a lefty. I, I like this guy. and If he stays healthy, which seems to have been a little bit of an issue in his past, I think he could be – Honestly, I have. I think there's a better chance he's the best pitcher on this team than Hunter Green. I think there's a better chance Hunter Green eventually becomes like a, a like an All Star caliber pitcher. But I think there's a really good shot that Nick Lodolo ends up working out the best out of the out of the two. Yeah, for my guy, I went with one of his battery mates in Nick Lod- or Nick Lodolo, in Tyler Stevenson. 
Um, although he's going to catch a lot less this year. I think they're targeting 65 uh, games or so for that because he can't stay healthy. But he's a guy who, you know, in his career is about a 300 hitter, 370 on base, so 119 WRC plus for his career lines. Um, last year in his 183 plate appearances was hitting 319 with a 372 on base, uh, 134 WRC plus. He'll hit for probably around 15-ish homers. Uh, he's just a guy who it's very hard to find good hitting catchers. Uh, if he does play that position, that's a, it's a great there, but, um, you know, transitioning him to first base, which would allow him to stay healthy. You might even see that offense uptick a little bit. If he's not having to worry about game planning and calling a game the entire time. Um, and him already being a, a, you know, about 300 hitter and 370 on base type guy. Um, I'm really excited to see what Tyler Stevens can do with, with a full healthy season and, and not having to worry about, you know, taking the, the brunt of catching all the time. Uh, but David, uh, what are you worried about this year for the Reds? Uh, it might finally be Joey Votto's time. Uh, you know, we've talked about the wall of fame a lot, and I think Joey Votto is probably a slam dunk hall of famer uh, at this point, you know, got an MVP. He's got a, you know, a, an elite career on base percentage, but Last year, Joey Votto looked old. He looked his age for the first time in his entire career. You know, I mean, 2021, he had 36 homers, 139 WRC plus. He kind of looked like he was, you know, going against the aging curve a little bit. And last year, it it fell off the map. He's no longer walking at elite rates. Like he's still good, and I think he'll still be somewhat effective. But 92 WRC plus from Joey Votto, and now he's 39, and it's, you know, he's he's starting to get up there in age. It might be time to get ready to hang it up there. But uh, I, I really like Joey Votto. I, I hope it's not, you know, necessarily time, but I hope we do get a nice like retirement tour, kind of like how we got with Albert Pujols and some of these other guys that have been going around. So uh, reminder, Joey Votto has a 412 career on base percentage. So uh, I think just this year was the first time his whole career that he hasn't had a 300, 400, 500 career slash line. So guy has been elite for a long time. Um, so hopefully he, he, you know, rebounds a little bit and goes out uh, kind of like David Ortiz did with a blaze of glory. So uh, what about you, Matt? Yeah, I just time in on Joey Votto real quick. He, I think he did deal with some injuries last year. And obviously with aging, that is a big kind of a big factor, too. But uh, hopefully he's a little bit better than he was last year. He, he did he did have a couple of really good months when he was healthy. So maybe hopefully he can bounce back a little bit, like you said. But uh, the guy I went with that I'm not feeling is uh luke weaver um i mean there's a lot of choices on this team but i mean luke weaver's a guy who they just signed in the offseason and i mean he's a guy who really can't stay healthy and has never really he's it feels like he's gotten a lot more credit than he should as a guy who he's just not very good i mean he hadn't been even in his limited action he's got he hasn't been good and except for like really like two seasons that were like 60 innings a piece. So for his career, he's been rough. His projections are really rough. I, I'm just not really high on Luke Weaver. It looks like they're going to have him in the rotation, even though like he was pitched out of the bullpen a lot last year. Um, you know, the, and, and it, it wasn't like he was pitching for great teams out of the bullpen last year. Like he was pitching for bad teams, like the Diamondbacks and the uh, Royals. So I, I honestly, I just clicked on that. I did not even realize he pitched for the Royals last year. I knew he was on the time and backs. I did not realize he ended up with the Royals, but either way, um, I mean, it just feels like 
they maybe could have gotten somebody who has a little bit more upside than Luke Weaver for the, you know, for the one year, like maybe he figures it out for a half season where we can trade him type guy. But I think they didn't do a very good job with that. So. Yeah. One other guy that I know they picked up a non-roster invite, not that it's much better, but Chase Anderson, he was there yeah. a little bit. They do have him. Not that it's much better, but that is another possibility. But um, for mine, I went with, my, uh, one of the groups here, and it's kind of what you were just talking about there. It's the pitching. Having to pitch in this ballpark is a nightmare. Like, there's just no way around it. It is probably the most hitter-friendly ballpark outside of Coors Field in the game. And I guess you could probably even make the argument that Coors Field is is a hitter's park because of you know being in the altitude. But it's a much bigger field. Where like this is just a small band box that like pop flies get out for homers just randomly. It's very, very hard to develop pitching here. I think we've seen that over the years with the Reds, uh, you know, at least more recently. Hunter Green's going to struggle there. You know, he gets high velocity guy who they could just make easy contact with it. It's going over the wall. Ladolo, you know, showed flashes, but really anybody else outside of, I mean, what Alexis Diaz last year, um, it's been, it's pretty yikes trying to pitch here. So Graham that's Ashcraft. what I'm not looking forward to for the, for the Reds. Graham Ashcraft also throws a hundred miles an hour and, and gets lit up because of that. Yeah. So, so I think I actually think we watched him pitch. I'm not mistaken. I think he started the game we went to David. Uh, he might've. Yeah. He, but, he's good, but is the issue for him yeah. is he just gives up that hard contact because he throws so hard. Uh, so what's your, uh, what's your grade now look for him? Yeah. So I'm, I'm going with a D I just don't like this off season, right? Similar to, they had a similar kind of off season, right? They bring in Will Myers. Uh, they bring in, uh, Luke Maley, uh, Chad Pinder, Kevin Newman, right? Luke Weaver is, he's not great, but I just, none of those names really do it for me. You know, I, I think Will Myers is maybe my favorite, but Ah, gosh, this is this is a team in the wrong direction, and they do not have the young stars that Pittsburgh does. I think we're all kind of agreement that, that this team is a little bit worse than the Pittsburgh team, and they'll be battling for last and probably battling for uh, the best lottery odds in, in the draft. I mean, they'll probably be above the Oakland A's and then Washington Nationals, but th- these are a couple of really just poor teams. I, I don't have much else to say by way of, of this. I just don't like this offseason as much as I like the Pirates. Yeah. I thought it was kind of similar to the Pirates offseason in some ways. Um, I did – I think out of the two teams, Will Myers was probably my favorite signing just because there's a non-zero chance that Will Myers comes out and hits really well for a half a season and gets a real prospect in return in a trade. Like, I mean, it's happened before. I mean, in 2020, which – I mean, 55 games is roughly a half a season. He put up a 155 WRC+. plus. Like, that's not that long ago. Like if he could do that again for a half a season, like he could get him back a some some form of a real prospect. I mean, not I'm not talking like a top 100 guy, but somebody, you know. Um, so I like that signing. I think that, I mean, they're they're not a. I don't love this team. I mean, uh, Nick Solak's another guy that they acquired that is kind of interesting. Um, like he's he's been okay. I mean, he he's I don't know. Like I. They're not – there's just not a lot to like about it. I give them a C just because, like, I mean, they did sign one guy that's somewhat – and Kevin Newman, for that matter, has some form of upside because he plays good defense. But I don't really like this team very much. And their offseason, they just didn't really do anything. 
and they didn't really have anything to do, honestly. But Will Myers was a guy that I just thought maybe a okay pickup. So I guess that's something. But like I give him a C. I mean, I didn't completely hate it. I didn't. I'd rather him do that. Like I spend a lot on guys who suck, and I mean it's to make their team like maybe like win 65 games instead of 60 games. I mean, it's, you know, they just kind of stink, but uh, we'll see what happens this year. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe we get some interesting moments like from Joey Votto. Maybe he has a good half season or something and uh, we'll see. Maybe, maybe a couple of their prospects come up. I know Spencer Steer looks like might start the season in, in the major leagues and um, they've got a couple guys who are somewhat close. So maybe they can get some interesting, interesting, uh, contributions from a couple prospects too but we will see so uh damien what you, who do you got what you got for him yeah i gave him a d um i think they're gonna be the worst team in this division i'm not i don't know if it's a gigantic gap but i think they're going to be the worst one here really i just gave him a d because they i mean will myers was the one signing that we said there but at least like the pirates added a couple other interesting pieces to their rotation like you got a good veteran in hill you sign a guy in velasquez who a lot of people like their stuff never really panned out but people still like the stuff you got two you know solid guys in in santana and Choi. we're like here you signed will myers and i guess kevin newman but i mean he doesn't bring the same allure there i mean trading for will benson's interesting i mean i mean Chad Pinder was a non-roster invite on the bench. Just none of these guys give me the confidence here to, you know, say that they're going to be anything at all. And then going into the year with Weaver, Luis Cesar, Chase Anderson as your rotation here, like it's just, it's really meh. And they just showed no willingness to try and do anything. And it's kind of been the Reds MO the last couple of years, ever since they started the sell-off anyways, but it's just super frustrating. I couldn't imagine actually being a Reds fan and just having my team not wanting to do anything at all yeah and and i'll and i want to add real quick kind of to what we're talking about in that you know you look at their farm system and you would think that this farm system is a lot better than it is for being a um for being such a bad team for several years especially one that sold kind of early on their trades trade uh, traded guys early like a lot of the guys that have come into the system have kind of fallen off since they got there so um you know, there's been some rough reports on some of them. So, you know, I know they got Ellie De La Cruz, but I mean, he's a very volatile prospect. And if he doesn't hit at the big league level, like you might end up having like a tiger situation here too. So um, with the only ex- exception be that the tigers are somewhat willing to spend. So like, this could be a really rough situation. I, I don't really love their future going forward. Yeah. All right. So now it's time for us to skip over the Cubs. Oh, and no. go to the Brewers, right? No, we can skip over the last team. All right, fine. All right, David. Well, I know you're not going to get the one you want to talk about uh, for who yeah. you like. So uh, okay. you snooze, you lose. But who do you got that you do like? Look, I might have actually chosen this one over Cody Bellinger. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to note that there's a lot of names that I could have picked here. I had to. I've had to go with this one because it's my MO right now is that Hayden Wesneski is extremely underrated across the board. Uh, how often do you have a guy come up for 36 innings? I think four starts get an immaculate inning in and have a sub three ERA and not be like a top prospect in a rookie of the year favorite going into the next season. Like it never happens. Hayden Wesneski is very good, has good velocity, mid nineties, 
the one of the best sliders in baseball. He's working on a changeup. This is the type of guy who could explode really fast and just end up being a really good pitcher for a long time. The Cubs are trying to figure out what they want to do with him, right? They, they've got a number of options. They've really improved their depth in terms of uh, starting pitching options and wh- to where Wesneski's not necessarily required to start in the, the starting rotation, but he's you know performing in this spring so far like a guy who is going out trying to earn a job. Uh, he's already looking really locked in. He's he's got that slider working. He's you know managing the pitch clock really well. He just he seems like the type of guy who can go out there and get this done. And you know Damien and I were at his first start. Like he mentioned, this is uh you know this is the type of guy that we we watched. We got to see him in in action, and he he looks like you know a major leaguer and a really good one at that. Uh, and he's not on any prospect list. I think Fangraphs is the one who the only one who has him on there. So uh, underrated. And I'm really excited about him this season. Yeah, I uh, I like Hayden Wisniewski as well, and I think he. Uh, I, I want to point out while we're talking about it, man, the Yankees have made some really bad trades the last couple of years. I mean, he they got him for a reliever who yep. is who immediately now blew up at his yeah, elbow. Yeah, like, and it's crazy. Even if he was a good, if he continued to be a really good reliever, that's still a kind of dumb trade. But yeah. um, the guy I went with was I, I didn't have a lot of guys that just stood out to me as guys that I just really, really liked on this team. But I went ahead and I went with uh, Justin Steele. Uh, last year he had, a, he had a really good season, and I don't think he got talked about very much, you know, outside of obviously Cubs fans talking about him. But he had, you know, a 320 FIP, a 318 ERA, and 119 innings. Um, you know, this is a guy who hasn't necessarily stayed healthy long term, and he's also a guy who's been around a long time. Like he's 27 years old. This was his, you know, first real full full ish season in the big leagues. But uh, he had a really good strikeout rate last year. Uh, you know, has a really really good breaking ball. Um, I mean, I, I like I like I like what I saw from him. He's got a good ground ball rate, which plays pretty well, especially if the wind's blowing out in Wrigley. Like you have, you always have some like. Um, some volatility. It takes a little bit of volatil- volatility out of the out of Wrigley Field if you get the ball on the ground a lot. Um, and I, you know, I like guys who have a lot of strikeouts and and get the ball on the ground a lot. I think it's a good combination. It makes it where you don't have quite. A, there's not quite as many ways for for you to get hurt. And uh, honestly, his numbers look a little bit like Framber Valdez's did mm-hmm. right after he came up. And I mean, maybe not quite as many grounders as Framber Valdez, but still, I mean, he's. He's a pretty good-looking pitcher, and maybe a late bloomer. The Cubs were able to, uh, you know, stick with for a while, and, and ends up. I mean, he's the number thirty-six prospect for the Cubs in twenty twenty-one, and he really hadn't been on a list since yeah. then. And he just kind of came up last year, all come out of nowhere last year, and was was really solid. So uh, we'll see if he's able to back that up this year. But I think he's, you know, I, he's at least like going to be a solid pitcher for them. I think even if he doesn't hit on like a super high upside or anything, I think he's going to be solid. So uh, good for good for them on sticking with him, and and I think he'll be good this year. A brief note on Justin Steele is that he started throwing a slider last year for the first time. Uh, like it, 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 he was throwing it as a majority off speed wipeout pitch for the first time in a long time, and uh, it was worth negative ten. It was like worth ten runs on. Uh, baseball savant so you know they've got they've got that pitch moving he's he's working that in nicely and he's got a number of other another other offerings to throw that are very effective so yeah i love justin Steele. 
All right. So we didn't think we were going to get to the Cubs, and I wasn't going to take Cody Bellinger, right? Like, yeah. yeah. I think it was pretty obvious here where I was going. I've talked about it at end on here. I'll keep it short. Bellinger is primed to bounce back to his his self of what we knew as MVP, as rookie of the year, maybe not quite to MVP level, but a guy who can hit, you know, has 30 homer potential, will play close to gold glove defense in this center field. He, he's not completely broken, like everyone said. He just needs to make some couple swing changes, get back to shortening up a little bit, taking the ball the other way a little bit more, just to take the top of the zone away from all the pitchers with the high velocity there. Anything middle and down, he's going to crush. He just needs to find himself. He needed a fresh start as much as I hate it. And he's primed for that. Yep. And that's that's pretty much what I'll say there. And if I had to pick somebody else, it'd be Nick Madrigal. Just because I think he's he battled injuries last year. And he's a guy who, in the two seasons before that, was about a 320 hitter. So, Probably David. I, generous, no, I generously no, didn't take Madrigal. Yes. <laughs> generously didn't take him for the, the not well worried one. Bellinger's Bellinger's looking good in spring too. Just mechanically, he looks sound. So that that's good to see. Yeah. So let's go to the players we're worried about. I am. I mine will. It's very short. I am praying the Cubs cut Eric Hosmer before the season starts. Man, he is the worst player I've watched. You know, since, well, since Jonathan Villar last year. But oh boy, he's horrible. <laughs> I, guy guy can't hit it in the air to save his life. He doesn't hit the ball hard. It is really bad. Like watching Edwin Rios, who's come over as well, and Trey Mancini compared to Eric Hosmer is like night and day how much better those guys are than Hosmer at doing exactly the same stuff. Like I think Matt Mervis is a better player right now than Eric Hosmer. Um, and, and Mervis has played zero major league games. He just has a he's a good approach. He hits the ball hard sometimes, right? Like that's all you need to be better than Hosmer guy just hits it on the ground all the time it's it's bad i i think he he's gonna get cut and he's gonna be done pretty quick yeah i mean i i would i mean that's kind of an easy guy to pick just because every everyone knows he's not really all that good but he's also on a you know minimum contract and he's easy to move on from and honestly like the, the guy i went with was patrick wisdom and the reason is because like hosmer's a guy that like you've got other options there like good options or at least upside options and third base i don't really think you have that many options like you could slide somebody over there but it's probably going to be somebody who's not very good defensively or it's going to be nick madrigal who is uh well i oh, mean goats? we don't have yeah, to talk about him but nick, nick um, madrigal actually looks okay out there except for dropping a fly ball the other day but. oh no the the, 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 the you know defense is going to be probably would probably be fine i'm just like you don't yeah. want a guy who hits like two home runs in a season to be the if that many to be like your starting third baseman. We'll, we'll pick but, one, Matt. Do you want the guy who only hits home runs, or do you got, want the guy who hits no home runs? They are because that's what op- Patrick Wisdom is. They are kind of opposites. <laughs> yeah, and, but but I don't. I'm not. I'm just not. I've never been high on on Patrick Wisdom. I mean, like he's awful defensively, and I mean he's not going to put up a less than 32, 33 percent strikeout rate, like. I mean, last year, you know, he had a 104 WRC plus and with awful defense. And it's just, I'm just not a big, I'm just not a big fan of that. His expected batting average last year was 188. His expected slugging based on his butt at ball data was 380. 
Like, that's just not a very good player. And it seems like there's, there's not really all that many other options for them at third base. And just Edwin the fact Rios. that, like, I mean. Which is more of the same. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, I just don't think, like, I think that they kind of are trusting him to be decent. And I just don't understand why. So, uh, but yeah, we'll see. Um, I, I'm just not big on Patrick Wisdom. It's a guy who's hit 25 home runs the last two years. I I understand the concern with yeah. Wisdom. He definitely bothers me, but he's not. He's, also, he's, he's also not 31. No one's ex- yeah. No one's expecting yeah. him to be a rod out there. You know, like well yeah. I, I get he's it. also 31 years old. Like he's on the wrong side of 30. It's not like there's just a ton of long term upside here either. It's just you probably could have brought in somebody pretty easily that's gonna do at least like league average hitter and play better defense than that i mean jerks and profars maybe maybe he could play third base like, he's still out there like i mean i don't i don't know but anyway. I, I understand i i gotcha it's it's not one i'm real worried about i think they'll get they're expecting you know about a league average bat out there for yeah. them rios morel madrigal all told they'll probably have a decent third base group it's just they gotta figure out who's gonna be good there yeah uh, so the guy that I'm worried about here is Kyle Hendricks. Um, the last two years has not been very kind to Kyle Hendricks. Um, in 2021, in 181 innings, he had a 4.77 ERA with a 4.89 FIP. Uh, the expected numbers, his ERA was a 4.95. FIP was a 4.61. You hope to see the bounce back last year. He did battle some injuries last year, only had 16 starts. But in 84 innings, again, had a 480 ERA, a 507 expected ERA, a FIP of 482, and an XFIP of 446. He's just, I don't think he's going to be as effective as he once was in his career, where he was posting, you know, low threes or mid three ERAs with expected numbers and the high threes there. It just seems like anything he's throwing now is just getting crushed. Um, The ground ball rate really suffered this year. Home run rate wasn't as bad. It was kind of more in line with his career averages, but just in general, he's just getting crushed nowadays. Uh, obviously, a guy that doesn't you know, rely on velocities, a movement-based location type guy, and it just – I don't know if it's the sticky stuff or what it's been, but ever since that crackdown's really happened, Kyle Hendricks has went the wrong way. The good news is the Cubs don't need him. He's not projected in their starting lineup. Yeah. He's, he's Whatever he gives them this year is a bonus. And if he's struggling, they they won't throw him out there. I think that's pretty clear. So, you know, I I, I hate it because I love Kyle Hendricks, but yeah, he has been throwing BP for a couple years now. So we'll see. Hopefully, he's he went to drive line and uh, to improve his velocity actually this off season. So hopefully, he comes back with wow a little a little 90. more something. Yeah, I mean he'll, he'll get to ninety, but maybe that's enough, right? That's I mean, maybe generous. that's enough. Yeah. So as far as outlook. Seven. Yeah, he, went, he might go from 87 to, you know, 89 or 90, but that might be enough to keep him, yeah. you know, effective for a few more years. Um, as far as outlook, I, I actually lo- like this offseason a good bit. Um, I don't love it because I think they missed on what could have put it over the top, right? We've we've talked in uh, in length about the shortstops. We've talked a lot about Dansby Swanson. I like Dansby. Uh, he definitely was maybe playing B or C, I think, for many Cubs fans and for anyone looking in on this team. Um, I really like Nico Horner. I hope they give him an extension at some point. I don't think he'll be taking one because free agent shortstops are getting crazy amount. Even if he's playing second base, everyone knows he can play shortstop. Um, but I like Mancini. I like Bellinger. I like Edwin Rios. I, you know, I like bringing back Drew Smiley. I like Talon. 
Um, the bullpen options have been really good between Fulmer, Boxberger, Merriweather, a few others. This is this was a good offseason. I'll give it a B plus. It's it's not it's not an A, and it it probably could have been. But I really like the way this pitching development team works, and I think the guy, the guy, if you're if you're seeing a guy like Julian Merriweather or Michael Fulmer jumping onto a team like the Cubs, who have really been able to get good uh, production out of their bullpen guys, I'd keep an eye out on those guys this offseason, especially uh, to see if they take over a closer's role because I think it's wide open for that job. But you know, this is a team that could maybe get to the wild card. They probably won't they need some things to break right and they probably need to trade for a bat at the deadline. The, the pitching is kind of nice. I like it. I think it's got a lot of upside, but I also think there's some volatility there and it could hold them back, but there's just not a lot of room. They have a lot of guys right now. The depth is very good and that may allow them to buoy injuries better than they have in the past. I don't know. You know, I see like a 500 team, but 500 team with a, you know, a standard deviation of wins could get you into the playoffs. I mean, what the, Billy's won 87 and made it to the World Series. So you don't have to go that far with uh, good performances. So I think they can get there, but at the very least, they're going in the right direction, thankfully. Yeah, my I've been going back and forth on my grade for their offseason because there's things I like about it. There's things that I don't. Um, I, I'm really like, you know, we've talked a lot about, like you said, Dansby Swanson, and I'm low on that contract. I think it was kind of it's a guy that I think that's more of kind of like a win now type move that is for a team that's probably a couple years away from being like a real winner. And that if you were going to sign somebody to a big contract, I'm fine with that. I think it's not a bad decision, especially with the shortstop class, but I would have tried to sign one of the top guys at shortstop. Like I would have signed Carlos Correa. If, you know, obviously they, they might've wanted to, and might've had a problem with the, you know, doc mm-hmm. physical or not like the money or whatever, but you know, I would have signed, uh, you know, Trey Turner, or I, I would have gone, or Bogarts. I would have gone after somebody who I think is a little, who's better than Dansby Swanson. Not that I think Dansby Swanson's a bad player. I think he'll be fine this year. It's just like, I think that this is a team that you have a lot, I think adding a lot of, they added a lot of role players to this team. They don't really have like a standout bat. Like, and, and the thing is that even if somebody like, like Cody Bellinger, say Cody Bellinger does figure it out, which I'm a lot more skeptical than y'all are on that, but it's possible. I'll, I'll give that it's possible. Say he does figure it out, like the, the, the risk-reward on most of these players is very, very high. Like, like there's a chance what? that like if they all hit – if they all hit, this team could be really good. But like, there's a lot of risk on like a Dansby Swanson because his bat, he strikes out a ton and – I mean, you know, you got a shortstop who's not really all that, you know, he's, he, he hit for some power last year, but, like, you know, he ran a super high Babbitt. Like, some of these guys, like Cody Bellinger being one of them. I mean, you're kind of counting on if you're going to be make a run this year, Cody Bellinger's going to have to be, like, an MVP-level Cody Bellinger again. Like, I just don't. And then, I mean, you just look at this lineup, like Patrick Wisdom, and there's a lot of holes in the lineup. And then pitching-wise, like, I think they're fine. Like, they've got a bunch of number three starters, I think. Like, which is fine. Um, I mean, like, Strowman's kind of a number three starter. Tyon's probably more of, like, a number three or four. Steele has probably a number three starter. Like, Hayden Wesneski could take a big breakout year, but I think the most likely scenario is he's, he's decent. And, and the bullpen's, like, I mean, there's not a lot of names there, but like David said, they, they have had some pretty good 
results with some guys that they brought in there in the past couple of years. So, I mean, I gave him a, I think I gave him a, I think I put C plus. I'll probably give him a B minus for the offseason because I did like the fact that they brought in some high upside guys that if they're not in it at the deadline, they could trade at Cody Bellinger maybe or something, even though it might be yeah. hard to trade a $10 million at the, at the deadline. But like, it's, it's definitely a, an interesting offseason. And I think they're, I think that in most divisions they would probably not be third place. Like I don't think they'd be third place in the East. They might be in the. I kind of doubt they would in the West either. But I think they're definitely a huge step ahead of the Reds and Pirates. So I said third place because of bad division. Although like if like I say if everything hits they could be in it involved. But uh, oh, Seiya Suzuki is another kind of high risk high reward because of the injury and everything. But like I I think this team could be pretty good. Um, like compared to what they have been, but I'd say if I, I would take the under on finishing 500, but I think it's possible. Uh, so that's kind of my outlook. I think they're kind of another a year or two away, maybe, and uh, maybe next year they look in the star power market. So I have to push on you though because there's zero risk with 90% of these deals, other than Dan's being talent. Oh, when, when like... I say risk, when I say <laughs> risk, I don't mean there's. No, I think you're misunderstanding what I'm saying with risk. I'm not saying like as in like they're signing really bad contracts over long term. I'm saying like the risk being like they're just they're they're not like the, the player has a lot of volatility. Out. Like there's a good chance oh, the player yeah. doesn't work out for this year. That's what I'm talking about, like outlook for this year. Like I think the only contract that's long term pretty risky is Dansby maybe because of his because of how he ages. But that the, I mean we could debate that all you know, we're probably never gonna agree on that, but like it's I think that, I mean, like, obviously signing Cody Bellinger to a one-year deal, that's not what I mean by risky with Cody Bellinger. What I mean is, if you're counting on him to be your guy in center field this year who's going to have a really good season, there's a lot of risk to that. Like, but, like, he's just a high-volatility player. Mm. So that's kind of what I meant, more so than just, like, the fact that they're long-term risky deals, because that's just not true. But, but yeah. I, I get it, but, again, yeah. I just want to, like... Even if they're if they're bad, right? You can move off of all of these after the season and do something but different. He's not year. talking that's, about that's, a contract. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I know. I'm saying the potential he doesn't, for the player to be bad, though. That's it, the risk. It's okay to have a. If it doesn't work out, it it's fine. You'd get you draft better we're next not, year. I, 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 I agree. That's all I'm saying. It's like you just yeah. you draft better next year. There's they're going for it with volatility, obviously, because you have to. Okay, I don't think anyone was saying that. You yeah, can't I think the contracts. That's very easy, but we'll just let the point go because it's yeah. not hitting. It's not hitting it's home not there. It. Not worth it. <laughs> um, hitting home is part of the problem with this team is that they might not hit home a lot. They're going to swing and miss a crap ton. Like they they need to add more contact based people. I think they did. They they started on the right path to being competitive. If it goes right, I think they are a five hundred team here. I don't think they're going to be a wild card contender just because of the power in the NL West and the NL East. And the two teams above them, I think are clearly a step above them in this division. I don't hate a lot of the deals. Like you have Nico, he'll be fun. Uh, Cody, obviously I like Cody here. Dansby. If you get the Dansby from last year, that's a great player. If you get the Dansby of what he was in April last year and doesn't know how to hit the ball and was People were talking about one of the worst hitters ever. That's risky there. Yeah, a free agent or a free agent to be an Ian Happ here. Seiya's already injured for what six weeks or something. Like there's there's a lot that can go wrong with this team. 
there's a lot that can go right with this team. It's a up or down. It's going to be super risky either way. Whichever way that's going to hit, it's going to say what type of season they're going to have. Are they going to be a 500 team or are they going to be a team that woefully is, you know, under performing expectations? I think a lot of people are thinking that they're going to be some team that's going to be competitive right away, right away this year. And I just don't think that's quite it. I think it's a year or two away before they're really ready to take that step to being a contender in the National League. Uh, so let's move on to the Brewers. So, David, what do you got for the Brewers? Yeah, I went with Rowdy Telez. Uh, I think that he was one of the most impacted players by the shift uh, last year, and that's a guy who also hit like 33 homers. Uh, you know, a lot of power, good, good plate approach, the type of guy at age 27 who's kind of on the cusp of a power breakout, and he only struck out 20% of the time. It's not like he, or he hit 35 homers, but he's not like the type of slugger who's just missing the ball all the time. He's at a 215 BABIP with a 20% strikeout, right? This is the type of guy who could take a massive step in the right direction if the shift, uh, the shift band kind of helps him get some balls through on the right side of the field. Um, Big fan of Rowdy, Rowdy Telez. Uh, he had a way higher ex-WOBA than a WOBA both the last two seasons. So, yeah, I think the the results may wind up matching a little closer, and that could be, you know, Pete Alonso-level good numbers at first base. Uh, he might be a key for them offensively. Yeah, I um, I, I like Rowdy Telez as well. And, and to back up your point, I was watching the ball game last night, the the USA-Mexico World Baseball Classic game, and they were talking about Rowdy Telez. He's playing for Team Mexico, and I believe they said he was the second most impacted player by the shift. Like you said, he was really mm-hmm. highly impacted. I think the most was uh, Corey Seager, and that Rowdy Telez was like number two on that list. So uh, definitely very interesting to look, to look for. I almost picked him um, for this year, but the guy I did pick was uh, Freddie Peralta. And the reason I picked Freddie Peralta is because this dude is really, really good, and nobody's really like paid any attention to it. Um, twenty twenty one, he was fantastic for for Milwaukee. Had a two eighty one ERA on the season, over twelve strikeouts per nine. Uh, like this guy is like he was really good in twenty twenty one and one hundred forty four innings. And last year, he 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 was pretty good again. He wasn't quite as good, but he had a he had a three fifty eight ERA, a three oh six FIP. Uh, 9.9 strikeouts per on His walk rate did come down last year some. Now, he only pitched 78 innings. That's kind of the issue with him. The last couple of years has been injuries. Uh, but And really, for his whole career, he's been he, he's been a couple of years as kind of an up-and-down guy, and then, and then injuries have impacted him in his two supposed-to-be full major league seasons. So he's 27 years old. And his, the projection systems like him to be a, a, a you know a low threes ERA type guy, low to mid threes, and I really really like him. I think he's going to be a uh, a really good pitcher for them to, to kind of be that number three in their rotation this year. That last year at times they didn't really have that that good number three with Peralta being injured. So I I really like him in this rotation going forward. Yeah, the guy I'm looking forward to this year is Garrett Mitchell. Um, we got a flash last year of 68 plate appearances in the majors, hit a couple homers, but had eight steals, uh, hit 311, a 373 on base, you know, 136 WRC plus, very, very small sample size, uh, struck out 41% of the time. So that is a gigantic worry. Um, but if he can get back to his numbers that he had, you know, in the other levels of the minors, 
even if it's 25, 26, 27% with the amount of speed that he has and a little bit of the unlocked, unlocked power that's in there. Uh, he's going to be a guy who, if he hits, you know, 10 or 15 homers, he's going to probably steal over 30 bases this year. Um, he'll play really good defense in center field. He's going to fly all around the park. He's just going to be a really fun player to watch this year. Uh, been one of my favorites since he was at UCLA. So I, I'm very excited to see him actually getting his shot in the major leagues this year. But David, who are you worried about on the Brewers? Yeah, I've, I've, we've addressed this a little bit because we just recently talked about this trade. You know, Jesse Winker goes from the Mariners uh, to the Brewers and he was not good last year compared to how he had been. He still had an above average WRC plus at 108, but you know, the power was kind of gone, only a 344 slugging. Jesse Winker's the type of guy who has to hit. He's completely, you know, devoid of defensive value in left field. Um, and with, between him and both, you know, Telez and a couple other guys, the Brewers kind of, they might need Jesse Winker to play the field a little bit. And, you know, if they, if they do that, he's really got to hit to be able to, you know, supplant, supplant that value. And a lot of the reports coming out of Seattle were about Jesse Winker's, pregame performance and, and preparation. And he wasn't particularly a good teammate and they were kind of sick of him over there. And that's why they shipped him out in the first place. Um, that's what I'm worried about. I think Jesse Winker is probably still a good player and he could probably still get back to it, but he's going to have to kind of rethink how he uh, prepares for games. Because if that's the case, you know, you can't have your on-base matching your slugging unless they're both, you know, over 400. So, um, you know, not a good, not a good season last year for Jesse Winker. And uh, they're going to be relying on him. I think, you know, like Rowdy Telez and, and probably also Christian Yelich, who I don't think he's on anybody's worry list, but he's, he should probably be <laughs> because, dude has uh dude has fallen off big the last couple of years but it has been an injury thing so we'll we'll see if if Christian Yelich can maybe get back to you know, being an impactful player yeah the one thing with Christian Yelich that I'll add is that the that that is in his favor is that he's got gone to where he's hitting the ball on the ground an absolute ton again which kind of sucks but with the shift being gone it might not hurt him quite as much as it has been so maybe he could get back going a little bit but um but yeah, the guy I picked uh, that I'm not super high on, and I mean, it's kind of an obvious pick, but Keston Hira, the guy's just not very good. Like, he put up a, I mean, he's the lowest he struck out in any level since uh, since 2019 in AAA that's been more than like 10 games is 31% in his big league debut in 2019. Like, he strikes out an absolute ton and I know he's hit some home runs, but, like, they keep bringing him back and thinking, oh, man, he's finally kind of figuring it out. He keeps going down to AAA and hitting well there last year in 13 games. And they keep thinking, oh, he's going to figure it out. He's going to figure it out. And then he comes to the big league level and is just not good. And last year at the big league level, he had a fairly decent WRC plus, but, like, he struck out 42% of the time. And he had a 355 Babbitt. Like, which is just, he's just not very good. And if you're the Brewers, like, I don't think you can continue to give this guy shots. So we'll see. He's also horrible defensively. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens with him. I think that uh, this, I don't know how long he'll be a Brewer, but we'll, we'll see. I, I, I would hope for them that he's not super long. So, Yeah, I wonder if they're probably going to do some platoon there with Winker and Hira at DH probably. Maybe. 
Um, the guy, I guess I'm going with another group again, but this bullpen scares the hell out of me. Like Devin Williams, he's great. We know he's great. Outside of that, none of these guys give me a ton of confidence. The Brewers are also one of those teams like the Rays that always just find guys and have good results at the end of the year, and the names on paper don't look like it. And maybe you fall into that trap, but I just I'm not sure that you know the back end of the bullpen, especially with Williams locking it down, might be fine with him and Matt Bush, who was very unlucky once he went over there last year. But man, I mean, you got Adrian Hauser, who's a starter that you're putting in there right now. Um, Aaron Ashby probably will end up in there a little bit because he can't stay healthy enough to be in the rotation. You got Justin Wilson, who has Tommy John uh, surgery that might not be back this year either. But then like Bryce Wilson, you got a Javi Guerra, um, the one from the Padres, not the one from the, the Dodgers back then. Uh, but Joel Payampas, it's just, they just don't give me a ton of confidence in this bullpen for a team. The, the starting pitching will carry. I think they upgraded their offense a decent amount, but that uh, that first little bit of the bullpen, it's it's extremely scary and risky, I think. Yep. Agree completely. <laughs> Yep. Uh, so what do we got for our outlook and grade for the offseason? I actually like this offseason that they had. And it's funny because I I don't like the Brewers and I actually don't like this team all that much. I think they have a really I think they have the more volatile team of of just about anyone here. Right. They have a ton of guys who are high boom. Right. William Contreras, Jesse Winker. Uh, you know, guys who haven't played at all, like Garrett Mitchell and Bryce Durang, Keston Hura, who's boomer bust, right? Willie Adamas is very much a boomer bust type of guy. Yelich has been that way. The, the lineups is highly volatile. The pitching is very reliable and very, very good and very strong. One of the strongest rotations in the major leagues. Um, but I liked their offseason. I liked Wade Miley. I liked William Contreras, obviously, getting him basically for free, it seemed like. And then, you know, Brian Anderson kind of looks like he's going to be able to step in and play rock solid right field for them. So, uh, and they got him late in the off season. I, I, I like this off season a lot there. They didn't have to do a whole lot. The team was already kind of in place and they just kind of added around him. That's the kind of off season you need to have, but Damien's right. They didn't do, um, they didn't do anything in the bullpen. So it's an A minus and they'll definitely contend for the division. But yeah, I think they are, a bullpen away from being my favorite for the division, because I'll give you a sneak peek of the next one. I think the next team is overrated. Yeah, of course you do. But um, <laughs> I, um, I mean, the Brewers are a, I think they're a pretty good team. I gave them a B for the off season. Um, I thought that, I mean, some of the moves they made, they obviously didn't spend a lot of money and some of the moves they made, I thought were fine. Like Jesse Winker. I mean, I, I'm not super high on him bouncing back, but, you know, maybe he can. Who knows? Um, the William Contreras deal, I'm not quite as high on that, the, on, on the player, as I think y'all might be. Uh, I think a lot of people kind of look at him and say, oh, my God, they got an all-star catcher for free. And, well, for one thing, Jess, William Contreras can't really catch. I mean, he did some last year, but he was pretty rough behind the plate. And I don't – fully believe in the bat being what it was last year it might be but i i don't know and then like they didn't really add anything else i mean this is a team that's pretty close and 
I mean, they could have added something else. I mean, they could have used it like 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 Damian mentioned with their bullpen. They could have added a good bullpen arm, like just somebody. I mean, like if only they didn't trade away a certain lefty reliever last year. But mm-hmm. I mean, they lost the guy that they got in return for that, Taylor Rogers. You know, and they didn't replace him really. I mean. And then their their rotation's really good, but they maybe could have added. I, I don't really love Wade Miley. They maybe could have added somebody else at the back of the rotation. I mean, he, Wade Miley's okay, but you know you're gonna have to have a lot of rotation depth in order to have a good season for them, like in your starting rotation. Because if you don't, you're gonna end up you know abusing the bottom of that bullpen, which isn't very good. So we'll see. Um, you know, I, I, the outlook for me, I think this team is very, very similar to what they were last year. Like, I think that they're going to have a similar result. They're going to win, like, they're going to be above 500, but they're going to be right on the fringe of making the playoffs. I wouldn't be stunned if they if the Cardinals didn't do as well as last year. But, like, they're not – I don't think they're going to be, like, I think they're going to be fine. Like they think they're going to be decent and they might get that third wild card. It just depends on, you know, kind of like how other teams do. I think there's, this team will end up being somewhere around like an 85 win, 86 win type team. So it'll be close for them. Maybe they add something to the deadline. They do have the prospects maybe to add and, and who knows, maybe one of these prospects comes up and hits like, you know, Sal Freelick and, um, and, um, Joey Weimer. Joey, Joey Weimer's the other one that's close. Like, I know Churio's still a pretty good ways away, but uh, – and then maybe Garrett Mitchell. I, I'm not as high on him as Damian is, but I, he could be good. I, he's definitely got some some physical talents. So, uh, but we'll see what happens here. I, I, it's it's definitely a, a decent team, but I, I don't think they're – I don't think they have super high upside. Yeah, see, I think I'm a little bit higher on the offseason and the offensive upgrades um, than you guys are. Jesse Winker had a really bad year, but when you dive down into it, he still walked a crap ton. He didn't strike out a lot more than he has in the past. Um, You know, the BABIP was down, the exit velocity was down, but every other statistic pretty much said that he would be the same player. Like he still hit 14 homers, getting him back in a division where he's played a lot of games into another ballpark where it's more hitter friendly. Like I think he'll be plenty good enough again to with this team, and probably playing more just against righties. I would assume going to more of a platoon base. The Brewers always do a good job of that. Um, you know, William Contreras is risky as the catcher is trying to catch every day, but I mean the rest of this lineup, I, I really like it. Brian Anderson, if he can stay healthy as well. Uh, another name people aren't talking about that they you know non roster invite they signed Luke Voigt. Oh, who yeah. hit a, has a ton of power. Um, you get him in there as well. Abraham Toro and Owen Miller, two other names that they got, uh, you know, in the off season, there's potential there as well. I just think, I think this team offensively, it upgraded quite a bit. And if you have those horses at the top of that rotation in Corbin, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, if they are healthy and going, and even Eric Lauer had a really, really good season last year. That's four really good starters. This team has been a team that's made playoff runs before. I think they do need to upgrade the bullpen. We've said that, but I think they've added more offensive firepower to be able to compete a little bit more with the teams in the playoffs when you get there. Um, And they don't need that much offense when you have guys like Gordon Burns and Brendan Woodruff just shutting the other opposing teams out all the time. 
Uh, I gave them a, a B or no, I gave them an A uh, for the offseason grade. I, I think they could be a division hopeful um, against the team that ended up winning this division last year in the St. Louis Cardinals. Let's ignore them. David? Let's not talk about them. Um, <laughs> I like Ryan Helsley, uh, their closer. He throws 103, and he's very, very good. Uh, the the type of guy who's kind of forced his way into the closer's role. You know, Alex Reyes had it for a while. He's now departed. Uh, Giovanni Gallegos had the closer's role for a while. It's kind of firmly in Ryan Helsley's grasp at this point. He was he didn't allow a run until like June last year. Uh, just absolute fireballer, averaging 100 miles an hour on the fastball. Doesn't walk anybody. You know, pristine control with a ton of of movement and and strikeout capability. You know, this is the type of guy who can have you know a Josh Hader level season and impact on the NL Central this year. And I hate to say that because yeah, I mean this team is. You know, this is they, this division runs through this team. They have for a long time. Um, but, you know, Ryan Helsley, a 125 ERA last year, he, he put it all together and he, he's probably going to be one of the best relievers in baseball this year. So, yeah, I, it's going to be tough to score on the Cardinals once you get down to the eighth and ninth inning, I think. Yeah, I, I think that's a good pick. He's a he's a good pitcher. And um, except for uh, except for when he faces the Phillies in the playoffs. But um the, uh, the guy I picked was Jordan Montgomery. Uh, they picked him up at the deadline last year from the Yankees, another bad Yankees trade because they traded a guy for a guy who gets injured a lot and uh, is injured again um, now. And uh, But Jordan Montgomery ended up being, like, really, really good for the Cardinals. And, yeah, he's gonna. I think he's going to be good again this year. Uh, last year, after the trade, he came over and had a 311 ERA with a 308 FIP uh, in St. Louis in 63 innings. And this year, his projections are for a low to mid threes ERA. And I think he just, this guy gets underappreciated some. I think the Yankees underappreciated what he did. He was really good there uh, in, a, in a really tough ballpark to pitch in. He, he consistently put up pretty good numbers. Uh, and he he's just a really solid pitcher. I think he fits the Cardinals really, really well because they have great infield defense with Arenado, Edmund. Like uh, Donovan at, uh, at second, whoever they end up playing at second is probably going to be pretty good there. You know how the Cardinals are. So um, they and they get a um, and it's a good ground ball pitcher. I mean, he gets ball on the ground a lot. He doesn't beat himself with a bunch of walks. Like he's just a solid pitcher. He's, he's had pretty good strikeout rates in his career too. Like he's just a really really solid guy. And uh, I don't think he gets uh, talked about quite enough. So I'm going with uh going with old Jordan Montgomery. I think he's going to have a good season this year. Yeah, the guy I'm going with is Dylan Carlson. Um, he hasn't really given us the the backing to say that we should really like him. Uh, he had a pretty solid 2021 season with 18 homers, 266, uh, 344, 343 on base with the 113 WRC+. You know, this last year stri- cut the strikeout rate, which is nice, but he really struggled. I, I don't know if it was the playing more center field or what, but his bat kind of went non-existent. Batting average on balls in play dropped drastically down from 332 to 281. Um, it's weird. The Cardinals are usually a team that finds the magic and they haven't been able to figure out that if they just used a Dylan Carlson batting right-handed, they'd have a insanely good hitter in his career uh, batting right-handed. He is a 317 career hitter and batting left-handed. He's a 225 career hitter. Like if they just make the move to say, Hey, let's just bat you right-handed the entire time. Even if, I mean, we know the right on right advantage is 
not nearly as bad as lefty on lefty, it would be, I think you'd see a gigantic jump in Dylan Carlson's production. Uh, and I, I, if we've seen little flashes, I know the numbers in spring training don't say it, but the, the ball off his bat has looked really well so far. Uh, he's been a high rated prospect. He has that pedigree. You just got to hope that he finds it. And I think we'll see a little bit of a jump here in 2023. Yep. So who do you not like David? Well, 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 um, I don't like Wilson Contreras and it's a total shocker there um, because it, it may not be for the reason you think, right? He's, he's come out, he's been very vocally against what the Cubs were doing pro what the Cardinals were doing, which is obviously just an attempt to get uh, the Cardinals fan base on board with him. But the, the problem with that is going to be that the first time the Cardinals look for a guy to be replacing Yadier Molina with even remotely decent defense and blocking up behind the plate and they get Wilson Contreras, they're going to be very disappointed and they're going to turn on him very quickly. Um, He's tough to watch back there. And it's kind of hilarious when you look at the timeline of how the Cubs uh, kind of tracked that Wilson Contreras deal. You know, he, he, there was talks of an extension there for a few years and then those petered off and it seemed like Contreras's team was bringing up that they wanted an extension. The Cubs weren't doing it. And then as soon as Jan Gomes got here last year, all the raving was how great it was to work with Jan Gomes behind the plate. I, I think Wilson Contreras is a net negative for their pitching staff due to game calling, framing, blocking, a number of things. Uh, his first start with Adam Wainwright, Wainwright gave up like five runs in two thirds of an inning and got pulled. Um, it's <laughs> like, and it's spring training, obviously, but it's it's the kind of thing that I just don't know that they're going to mesh very well together. And then that fan base is very hyperactive and they are, they know what they're used to, right? Molina has been there for years not there anymore. And Contreras is like the complete opposite of what Yadier Molina is. That's going to be a tough thing to get like used to, I think for this Cardinals pitching staff. And I'd be taking the under on a lot of their numbers this year, because it's, it's pretty scary uh, with a new catcher like that. Yeah, I'm not, uh, I don't totally disagree. The only thing about Contreras that I would disagree with is that I think there's a good chance, especially with the guy I'm about to talk about that you might end up seeing Andrew Knizner, uh, I don't even know how to say his name, but behind the plate, I, some. Yeah, you will, and and yeah. any anytime he's in there, it'll be a stark difference. It was yeah. when Victor Caratini was you Darvish's personal catcher, and you Darvish had like a sub two ERA with Caratini, yeah. like a six ERA with Contreras or something. It was wild. Because yeah. I was gonna say, I think that um, the guy that they've got currently on some, you know, on like the Fangraphs step charts and stuff, slated in as the DH, is not gonna last very long there. And that would be Nolan Gorman. I'm just not very high on him. Uh, he's a guy that he was a top prospect for a long time, a former first round pick. Uh, but his approach at the plate is really, really bad, and he has zero value defensively. They tried playing him at second a lot last year, and he was really rough there. And he put up a roughly league average stat line that's just not going to play at DH. Like, and I just don't think he's. I just don't. I don't ever trust the guys who are striking out 36% of the time in AAA, and then go to the big leagues and they're still striking out 33% of the time. Like I just don't. I just I have a hard time trusting that, especially when that's part of his history as a player. Like it's really, really rough. He had one minor league season, half a minor league season, where he wasn't striking out quite as much. But of course, in that season, he wasn't walking much at all. Like he's got some good, uh, some good pop, but I just. 
and I'm just not very high on him. Like last year in 90 games, put up a .5 war. I felt like that was a pretty good outcome for what he was doing. So we'll see. Maybe he figures it out a little bit. Most of the projection systems have him being roughly a league average to, to maybe even below league average hitter. Um, so you know maybe he uh, maybe he does end up hitting hitting well, but. Um, you know, we'll see. I just don't. I'm just not very high on on him as a, uh, you know, a, a high level, uh, as a as a high level big leader, honestly, right now. Yeah, the guy that I went with is the the guy that most people think should probably be the ace of this staff, and it's Jack Flaherty. Um, he just cannot stay healthy. Um, you know, in 2018, he had 151 innings. 2019, 196 innings, and both of those were pretty good seasons. And then in 2020, obviously the the COVID year, only had nine starts there, 40 innings, had a 491 ERA, came back in 2021, made 15 starts there, got injured again, didn't even hit 80 innings pitched, uh, had a 322 ERA, but the expected ERA was 489, the FIP was 422, uh, and then this last year got injured, I think in spring training, uh, came back later in the season, started eight games for 36 innings, and still had a 422. 25 ERA and a 494 expected ERA and his FIPS were 497 and an XFIP of 493. He is a lot better than those numbers, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And I, you have to wonder if the injuries are starting to take a little bit of a toll on what he, his production brings. Uh, if he, if his stuff will still look the same as what it looked like in 2019, if it still plays the way, I mean, his strikeout rate was down to, you know, 8.25 per nine when he was at, at his peak was close to 11. His walk rate jumped dramatically. Like his velocity, it stayed about the same, but I just wonder what the breaking pitches and stuff and the 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 wear and tear it puts on his, his arm. Obviously, it's not able to hold it. Um, you know, obviously there's probably like a guy like Steven Matz, which you can put on here, but man, Jack Flaherty's the the guy that really, really worries me for for 2023. It'll be an interesting free agent case next year because I don't think there's any way he's sticking around. That means he's absolutely going for like 200 innings and has like a Cy Young year this year, right? I mean, even still, you know, you've got all that upside. I, I don't know. Even a one-year deal like Cody Bellinger's, you know, if you know, if he has Jack that big-time year. Type, yeah. Like, I mean, look at Rodon. He had the same yep. kind of injury issues, but he got a big contract. Exactly. I don't know. All right. So what's your uh, your grade and your outlook? So this is a team that didn't do very much in terms of free agency. They just signed Wilson Contreras. Um, you know, they, they felt like their team was really sound. And I can't say I disagree, but this is also a, a Cardinals team that is relying on stars in their upper 30s with Goldschmidt at 35, entering age 36, Nerenato 32, you know, Wilson Contreras is 31. <sighs> You know, the, the upside for this team is clear. It's what they did last year, right? A couple of MVP candidates, the MVP. Um, and the downside is that those guys fall off finally. And you, we, but we all know that's not going to happen because this team is full of devil magic and they'll pull out four more people that are, you know, no one's ever heard of, like Lars Newtbar, who is, was better last year than Dylan Carlson, hilariously enough, despite Carlson having all the prospect pedigree. So, um, you know, and Brendan Donovan, who was incredible last year and come, came out of absolutely nowhere to, to be incredible. So um, I don't know that those guys will all be incredible again, but, you know, Nolan Gorman's like 23, right? I mean, Matt's Matt's concerns are completely legitimate, 
but he's also 23. He could have a, you know, a huge surge and, you know, go Joey Gallo and hit 40 home runs next year. So uh, I, nothing would surprise me about this team, but I do think that they're not quite as far above the Brewers as anyone should think. I mean, I, I think the Brewers pitching is miles better uh, than the, the Cardinals pitching. And that's including the bullpen that is much, much better for, for the, the Cardinals than the Brewers. So uh, I think the starting pitching is just that much better. You know, they're, they're relying on like Adam Wainwright, Michael, Miles Michael is throwing to Wilson Contreras. I, I just, yeah, I think this pitching staff is going to get beat around a little more than, than they're expecting to coming off of the Molina, um, the Molina loss. So what do you, what do you got, Matt? Oh, my grade exactly is a C plus by the way, but yeah, they should, they're going to contend for the division, but I don't think it's that it's not a slam dunk. Yeah, the offseason grade I gave him was a C. Um, honestly, like all they did this offseason outside of a couple of minor league free agent or minor league signings was Wilson Contreras. And I really agree with you mostly on Wilson Contreras. Like, I don't really think he's all that good. Like, the bat is decent, it's really good bat for a catcher. But that's kind of the caveat for a catcher. It's a really good bat. And if he's not going to be an everyday, like, solid catcher, then what's the point? Like he's, but you know, if he puts up a 132 WRC plus like he did last year, you could definitely put him in that DH spot and feel pretty good about about that. But, um, but I don't know. I mean, uh, th- that's kind of an offseason credit, and it's kind of a big contract for that type of guy too. Like, I mean, it's not a, you know, he's gonna get paid. I mean, with 17 and a half million dollar AAV, like that's real money for, especially for a team that tries to stay under the luxury tax like the Cardinals. But, um. But we'll see uh, for their for, as a, as for their outlook for the season. I, I think this is a really good team. Um, I think that their lineup is going to be good. I am a little bit concerned about Paul Goldschmidt because he is 36, and as great as he was last year, and believe me, he was fantastic and was a deserving MVP. He put up a 370 batting average on balls in play, and I just don't think there's any chance he repeats that. Like, I think there's a chance that he is still a 140. WRC plus maybe a 150 WRC plus type hitter, but that that 177 is just, he's just not going to do that again. And and they really did count on that last year. Uh, I like a lot of their players. Tommy Edmonds solid. I, I think Tyler O'Neill is not great, but I think he will bounce back to some level. He won't be a he won't be useless like he was last year. He'll bounce back to a certain level. Like Arenado, I think is still going to be really good. I mean, some of their young guys like Newt Bar. Newt Barr and Donovan will be good. They do have some upside with a couple of prospects that could come up too. Um, that's something to kind of look for. I know they really like uh, Jordan Walker. I do think Jordan Walker still got some things to work on uh, in in the in AAA. I don't think he'll start with the big league club, but they really, really, really like him, and I think he's gonna. Ch- I got a chance to be really good eventually. Um, so he could he could help the big league team this year too. It's kind of a an X factor. The bullpen's really good. The starting rotation, if healthy, is pretty decent. Like I like Jordan Montgomery. I think Miles Michaelis is a solid mid rotation guy. Jack Flaherty, we'll see, and Steven Matz, we'll see. Like just depends on their health, especially and if they're effective after all the injuries too. It might not be that they might be pitching, but we'll see if those injuries have affected them. And then, I mean, like I don't really trust Adam Wainwright to be their number one anymore, but. Um, but we'll see. It'll be interesting. Um, 
I think this is a team that would not be in my top two in either the East or the West, but I do think they're a fairly clear favorite here. Although the Brewers aren't like, it's. I mean, I'd I'd give them like a two a two thirds chance to win the division if if I had to guess it. Like I think the Brewers get like close to a third, and then there's like a non-zero chance for the Cubs, but it's low. Like if I had to if I had to pick it, but like I, I think the I think the Cardinals have a pretty good outlook. I, I do think they're definitely the favorite, but. Uh, maybe maybe not like a slam dunk like some people might give them, but I, I think the favorite. Yeah, I don't think the Cardinals are seven game favorites yeah. this year on the Brewers. Um, I think it'll be a closer a closer run a race than that. I still think they are the favorite. I gave them a B. I'm not as low on Wilson Contreras as either one of you guys are. I think he'll be very fine there. I think it's a guy who just needs a fresh start. Um, you know, who knows what. I mean, obviously, I think the bat is there for a catcher. I mean, David's watched him more defensively, so he'll be able to say, but who knows what the Cardinals are able to figure something out to help him to game planning wise, something. I don't know. Maybe maybe they have something. Yachty will come work with him, whatever. But I think I think the offense is better um, for the, the Cardinals than it is for the Brewers. I think you have two MVP level caliber hitters there. You had Tyler O'Neill, who was, I think what did he finish third that year in MVP or fourth? Something like that. He was really good. Um, he was really good there. You got the Cardinals creative players and Lars Newtbar and Brandon or Brendan Donovan. Um, you got Dylan Carlson, who I talked about. I, I think can have an opportunity. He has the prospect pedigree there. Nolan Gorman has it. He just needs to, if he will develop there, uh, Tommy Edmonds, really, really good as well. And then you have a guy like Jordan Walker, who is, what is he a top five prospect right now? I think so. In the game as well. Um, if you're able to pull that up, um, you know, the rotation depth is really, really worrisome. You're looking at Matthew Libertor um, or who else is there down there? Zach Thompson, Drake Woodford, Dakota, Connor Hudson. Thomas, Dakota Hudson is projected to be in he's the bullpen, in the, but yeah, yeah, he, the, he's, yeah. He's another guy who could jump on the rotation. I'd be really interested to see if we're able to see Gordon Graceffo this year. Um, he's been really good so far. He only made it to double A. He's not even on the 40-man yet, but, man, I would not be shocked to see him get a chance this year, especially if Mats and um, Flaherty don't stay healthy. I mean, Dakota Hudson's even had his injury issues before. Uh, really good bullpen, though. I very much like this bullpen, even if the, the starting rotation – you know, does get hit a little bit. This bullpen can help lock it down. You can go five innings with them and then turn it over to the bullpen. You're going to score enough runs. It's going to be a dogfight. It's it's basically going to come down to how does the Brewers new look offense compare to this pitching staff if it stays healthy um, in the rotation for the Cardinals. Because I think it's clear advantage in the offense and bullpen to the Cardinals starting pitching to the to the brewers uh so it's gonna be a really interesting race but i do have them as a, a division favorite right now and i gave them a b for my offseason grade but that will wrap up the nl central offseason uh review and, and breakdown uh anything you guys want to you want to hit on talk about here wrap it up on usa is taking batting practice right now yeah, they are. Like, it was what nine zero in the first inning against Canada. Twelve to one. Twelve one. Yeah. Yeah. So big, big. Uh, needed that one. Yeah. And got to beat Colombia so we yeah. can move on. Yeah, and it helped. It helped that Colombia lost to Great Britain today too. 
Yeah. So. We're not going to talk about the loss to Mexico. Yeah. But, uh, uh, anything else? Like, I mean, obviously we're going to have some WBC talk at some time. We'll do the NL West next week and probably a predictions episode. We'll try and fit a WBC episode in there, but anything else you guys are looking forward to? We've got what a little over two weeks until opening day, if I'm uh, not mistaken. Um, I mean, uh, obviously 30, 30th, right? I believe so. Obviously we're looking yeah. forward to opening day. Um, I think that, uh, been a pretty good amount of injury issues lately for some teams yep. like Rodon going down. I don't know if we talked about that. Quintana is out yep. for like three plus months. Um, yep. It sounds like um, today someone said Harrison Bader got hurt today. Maybe um, uh, he does yep. have an oblique injury. Yeah. Like there's, there's been a pretty good amount of, of injury concern here recently and that you hate to see that in spring training, but you know, sometimes when guys start to work up to, you know, to their, to full strength, they end up, you know, getting some, getting banged up and, you know, having some soft tissue injuries, some, you know, some, some, some muscular injuries because of just like trying to ramp up and everything. It's a tough time of year, you know, when you're not used to it. So uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully they end up, uh, hopefully these guys end up, you know, get back pretty soon. And um, I'm sure at some point we'll, in one of our preview episodes for the season, we'll probably talk a little bit about some of these early season injuries, but uh but uh, if you haven't checked it out, check out the World Baseball Classic. It's a lot of fun. Uh, that's pretty much it. Yep. Yeah, David, anything you want to hit on? Nope. I'm good. All righty. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the Batflip Podcast, and we'll catch you guys next week.